I'm just trying to get this bitch's maiden name. Uh, your mom's maiden name? What's that, Cass? Brown. Okay, boring. But okay. Like that dookie. There it is. Did you get that out of your system? Get that dook. Dook dook. Dook dookie. Dook dook. Dook dook. Dook dook. And the poop poop poop. Ugh, back to the good old classic dead time stories. <laughs> you remember that episode where I put in a whole bunch of fart noises? Yeah. <laughs> uh, more of that, please. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Dead Time Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I talk about... (laughs) Sarah can't... What happened? Can't deal with how I just did that. What happened to you? A weekly podcast where Sarah and I Uh? talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show, and it's not... Yours? <laughs> I just like watched her do it. I'm like, what is happening? I don't know. Uh, uh. I like to get really like weird with it. Because I like to get jazzy with it. That was not you a know, jazzy. You like to just play with it. Yeah. You're scatting. You start scatting on our show. Dead time stories. So I know, like I said, let's get back to the dookie humor, but I did not mean that scatting. Kind of scat. That's not the scat it's you not want. not what I you meant. poop on you is what you're saying. That's the scat that you want. No. I Not on me. <laughs> if you this is need your first poop. time listening to the show, stop. stop. Please. And I'm not just saying that because we're talking about poop, which it's been a while. Um, I'm saying that because we say that at the beginning of every episode. Every episode. We tell you to stop. You would it's know that if you had listened before. And go back and listen from the beginning. the beginning. Start at episode one. Grumble Thorpe to my mouth a little bit. And we will pause and wait for you. And I mean it. Welcome An back. hour of silence. Welcome back. Yeah, that's Welcome the back. whole episode. It's just us being quiet. And quiet. Like, Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> oh, we didn't do that gimmick my, last that's episode. My of our of our end music, which you would know if you'd been listening to this, uh, this show. Yeah, you idiots. Consecutively. Listen to what we said. You don't know us personally. If Just do what we tell you. Me uh, is it going to be that kind of episode? It's going to be that kind of episode. All right, Sawyer. I was born on the bayou. No. It was a hot summer day. My mama a had hot... a mint julep I'm in her hand. I'm not from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but I tell people I'm from Hattiesburg because it's about 45 minutes outside of Hattiesburg, and nobody knows where it is, so I tell people I'm from Hattiesburg. But actually, I'm from the no, bayou so No, we just Greenville. wanted just a snippet. We needed the Sparks notes. <sighs> you would get that if you would listen from the beginning because that is when our friend Sawyer was on. So just fucking go back, okay? Hi, Thank welcome. You. Welcome back. We're still on our shenanigans. We're still on our shenanigans. We're and, you here. know, it's always... We like to try and record two episodes at a time. Because we got a life. On, right? We have a life. And we have been really good I think since we got back in the studio. We have, like, our thing going. We've got a schedule. We meet up. Um, but when we record that second episode, I always really want to try to keep the banter fresh. Because we talked before we started recording. 
then we started right like we oh, get yeah, here yeah, yeah yeah like we already chit chat this is what we do we get here and we try and get out most of the chatting so that we don't banter too hard yeah and then we start the first episode and there's a little bit of banter and then we go and then we start the second episode and i just want to make sure that it also has like a fair reasonable amount of banter before we move right in well our whole banter window was just used up by that explanation no so, it was not hey, 70 we usually do seven to ten minutes and that was easily 50 seconds no it was not 50 oh, seconds bullshit. this is part of it <laughs> do you like this you banter? Know that if you've been listening oh my god all right that's the title of this episode i guess you would know that. Find out. You would know that's the name of this episode if you listen to it. <laughs> Sarah looks like she has a headache right now. I do. Y'all, I've been moving all day, and now Stephanie's pulling this shit. Yeah, you didn't talk about that. I want you to banter about your moving a little bit. I'll banter about my moving. You didn't do that last episode. I'm tired. <laughs> Moving's hard. <laughs> and we're consolidating two households into one. Oh, that's that's the pain. But tonight we'll spend, which obviously this will be weeks out, but um, spending the night in the house for the first time. Yeah. We've got internet. We have a TV we'll put on the floor. I am still going to push for getting dominoes and sitting on the floor of the living room and we're bringing the cat over. I want that for you. I want it too. So he has one cat and his roommate has one cat? His roommate has two cats. Okay. So they currently have three cats. So the cat is moving out to be its the only she's cat, a, right? She's an only cat. She's a she's an only baby. You think she's going to be into it or yeah. is she going to miss the other cats? I think she's going to be into it okay. because the orange cat, she does not get along with. Like she, we've seen her get so mad at him that she's hissed at him and then thrown up because <laughs> it makes her so mad. She's just so upset. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> like she's so mad. And yesterday they had a moment where she hissed at him and then she immediately went into like her coughing, wheezing fit. And I was like, mama, you can't get, he can't work you up so much. You can't let him get to you like this bird. Um, But Oz, the other one, the white one, she likes, but they don't play. Like she doesn't play with them. They don't do any of that kind of stuff. So I really think she's going to, she's going to be more needy, I think, as being an only cat and having free roam of the house. Mm -hmm. Plus... I bought her all these things. I bought her a kitty drinking water fountain. She's going to be spoiled. I bought her a kitty water fountain. I bought her a new litter box. You're and... a straight up cat mom now. Oh, yeah. You ready? Lean right back into it. I'm just an any pet mom. Yeah. If that's my pet, I'm into it. Yeah. Like, whatever it is, I'm into it. Because I've been, I've been a cat doula twice. I've birthed babies twice. I've never cat doula. I've cat doula twice. <laughs> yep. I know everything about birthing the babies. Oh, my God. They'll have these moments, I think I've told you this before, where they'll be, like, petting Church, and they'll just be like, Church, did you ever have babies? <laughs> like, Val, like, wants to, like, see Church's child children, and will get, like, really sad knowing that they can never see Church's babies. And then, <laughs> last night, Val was like, hey, Google, is there a way to tell if a cat has had babies? <laughs> and Google is like, when a cat gives birth, its water will break like a person. And then it's labia. Yes. Well, like it just starts gra- like going into like, like describing no, Google, a cat no. birth. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, not what I was trying to do. And if any cat doula will know, you then have to move the cat into blanket or towels or blankets that you do not care about and put them in a laundry basket. They always go in a laundry basket. <laughs> or at least in my white trash household, it did. See, just kidding. We weren't white trash moms. 
<laughs> That's okay. You don't have to lie. Um, we were in a trailer. We. It's funny that you say that because Church always tries to get into laundry baskets. Like, she loves being in a laundry maybe basket. Maybe she has had babies. And I'm like, maybe she was born in a laundry <laughs> basket. Maybe she had babies and they put her babies in the laundry basket. She's born in the laundry basket. Um, but then she was making me laugh today because I was folding laundry. And, like, I'm used to her getting in, like... She likes to get, like, the dirty laundry. And we have, like, a basket in our room. It's yeah. just, like, a low-to-the-ground regular laundry basket. And we'll be, like, in the bed, and Xander will get in the bed with us, and Church will go lay in the dirty laundry. Like, that's <laughs> where she wants to be. And today I was folding clean laundry in the living room, and she came up and, like, put her little paws on the laundry basket. I was, like, looking in. I was, like, oh, are you going to get in? And she, like, kind of sniffed, and then she got She's down. Like, I was, no. like, oh, you don't want to get in the clean laundry. And part of me appreciates Thank that. Thank you. Because I'm, like, I don't want all this cat hair on my clean laundry. But then she instead climbed into my lap while I was trying to fold laundry. And that got, I was, like, and you're like I got to do this work. Um, but I love what you said about just your pet, because it's very true. And I... I understand people are like, I can't have a pet because of my living situation. And even though it's really valid, I just don't understand people who just don't want them. I know. <laughs> because to me, uh, and uh, but it is totally valid. You don't, nobody has to want a pet. But to me, there's just something very magical about being friends with an animal. <laughs> and even if that animal is like a very traditional pet, like a cat or a dog, a teeny, you just have cat. these moments with your pet where you're just like, we don't, we literally don't speak each other's language, but we like friends, we, but we are friends. Like we just want to hang out all the time and I make you feel safe and comfortable yeah. and that makes me feel good. Yeah. And you like, you're just so you're furry and you're soft and you make me laugh. And you look like a little stuffed animal. Oh, oh church. I'm constantly calling her a Muppet. Yeah. She, she looks look like a Muppet. She looks like a Muppet. She, she straight does. up does look like a Muppet. Ooh, she's a little Muppet. Oh, my God. But, yeah, if you have pets, we also love pets. Send us pictures of your pets. Oh, uh, send us pictures of your pets dressed up like ghosts. Ghost oh my God. pets. If you have any <gasps> pets ghost dressed pets. up as ghosts, we would love it. But even just pets in general. Are you thinking of your ghost pet? And then I was thinking, what's their way to incorporate, like, a ghost pet? But you can, like, with cats, where it's, like, the buttholes in your face, but it's dressed as a ghost. <laughs> like, the mouth of the ghost is, like, cut is out butthole? for the butthole. <laughs> um, last thing I'll say with my banter about moving in the cat that I'm excited about is right now, Charlie currently lived in a home that was a kitty drug free home and they were not allowed to have catnip in the house. Why is that? Because Ed is one of the cats like really fucked up about cat. <laughs> no, they just play and get crazy like a real and, and the, Ed can't deal with it. Yes. The orange cat is still very young. He's uh -huh. like just over a year old. He's fat, but he's still a kitten and he okay. still runs around and he wants to play. He's and wild. Bird does not want to play with him. And Oz will play with him, but sometimes Oz is sick of his shit. So he just needs stimulation. He just needs to be played with. Yeah, because he's so a young cat. You put him on catnip and he's like, let's play. Right. He gets fucked up. And so Ed is like, I can't do it. They don't get catnip because they get too crazy. Uh, well, I, I bought that. I bought a whole little scratching post that comes with catnip, and yes. I bought an extra jar of catnip. And I was like, Bird, we're giving you drugs. So um what we've discovered that we're very into, uh, because it's not as messy, is we got a catnip spray mm. rather than like straight up catnip. And it's called Meowana. <laughs> 
I love that. Yes. I'll have you send so, me the link. Cause... So I will. So we like to spray, yeah, like when we get a new cat toy or like even just like the tr- every now and then just on the cat tree. I'll mm-hmm. just like go and respray the cat tree with some Meowawana. And they fucking love it. And it makes me laugh because it's called Meowawana. <laughs> I want to get her a cat tree, but Charlie's like, she won't use it. And I'm like, I think she'll do more than you might think that she'll do. Does she have claws? Yes. Okay, Which we're, she, we're taking her to get her nails trimmed in two weeks because she's getting caught on things. Yes, so they're no, too yes. long. You should be trimming them, yes. But I'm like. We're not trimming them. Right. No, they should be. I just yes, think they should be get getting them trimmed. trimmed. I'm like, you're not like, he's not like got a declawed cat, does he? No. Okay. No, she's a trash cat. She's a trash cat. She came from the trash. That's She's fair. from the trash. She's and, from the trash. And when he got her, uh, she was pregnant, yeah. and she had a kitty smush motion. Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> they took her to pause. I didn't know that was like, a thing you could do. She was a stray cat, and they took her to pause, and pause was like, yeah, she's pregnant. Woody and they were like, we, this isn't even our cat. Like, we found her on the street. We wanted to bring her in to get her a checkup and, like, clip her ear so that people know that she's been checked on. So they were like, okay, well, we're just going to, like, abort the babies. And she had a, she had a kitty suspicion. And then Charlie said it's like she came out and she was even more lovey because she was like, thank you for getting oh, those babies she, out of me. She was like, I was not ready to be a mom. She's like, I was not ready to be a mom. I'm ready to eat food that I get to eat and doesn't go to these things inside of me. So I'm wow, like, bird I no almost idea. had babies, but wow! But uh, okay. it was it was her body and the vet's choice. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like you know they waited for her to give birth and then they like to you know gave her a little she got spayed or whatever. But no, they were like let's just you know let's just let's just go for it. Yep, in this and spader. Okay. Yep. All right. Well. There's our banter. Is that good? I'm, I'm this very is satisfied cat banter. With this banter. I love cat banter, and I learned something new today <laughs> that cats can have a that you can get a kitty cat proportion. I'm pretty sure you can do it for dogs too, stray dogs. Well, I would, yeah, I would imagine if you can do it for a cat, you could do it for a dog. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, did not know that. Um, and if you see a stray cat with the little like clip out of their ear, I did know that. Yeah. That means yeah, that means somebody's already that caught somebody's... that cat, taken it into the vet, and they took care of it, and then put it right back out on the street. They call that catch and release. Yep, because they're trash cats. If you didn't know, um, <laughs> there's stray cats and there's feral cats. Yes, and you can take in a stray. You cannot take in a feral cat. You it cannot turn a feral cat into a pet cat. It Mm-mm. just you can't do it. Uh, so clipping them is like, hey, <laughs> we took care of this cat. We've like made sure it's got what it needs. But like he's a monster. Keep but him they're outside. Not sharing, right? Yeah. Like, please don't take this baby in as a pet. This is not a pet baby. This is a street baby. Yeah, yeah. But she, um, she was like, no, no, I'm a house cat now. I'm tired of living in the trash. And that I was, live in the yeah, house. I got Xander from the ASPCA, uh, yeah. and he was a stray. So I'm like, he, he's like, I lived that life. I always say that's I'm why over he's, it. Yeah, I always say that's why he's like, he's so sweet because he knows. He's like, I've lived on the streets before. <laughs> I don't want to go back. I don't want that life. I'm, I've got it so made here. And he's too, oh, he's too smart. Yeah, for his own good. Sometimes he, is. he gets into shit. Sarah knows. He <laughs> she is lives smart. In him. He is we were roommates. Too smart. Ugh. All right. Anyway, There's, that was good banter, though. Cat banter. I hope you like listening to us talk about pets. Send us pictures of your pets. We love pets. Send us pictures of your pets dressed up as ghosts. We're yeah. into it. We love it. All right. That hey. being said. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Leslie. Y'all, Y'all ready, ready to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? ghosts?
Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Are you talking about a ghost? I'm not talking about a ghost this week. All right. Um, she could be a ghost. She could be a ghost if she wanted to. She did whatever she wanted to. She was badass. All right. All right. But like also she a mess. Uh, so I am talking about a woman today named Cordelia Botkin. Who's born what Cordelia? A name. Cordelia Brown, as as I was that looking like, up. I need her maiden. Before she was born in 1854, again in Missouri. You were just loving Missouri these two weeks. That just happens to be um that just happened the way that it did. It didn't happen on purpose. Uh so <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about Cordelia. Miss Cordelia. So she uh she was a sassy lady. She was described as being uh short and stout, like a teapot. But like just this part I didn't read. I'm just assuming. Uh, just full of piss and vinegar, as they like to say in the South. I love it. Yeah, I don't know if they really use that phrase up here, but I love that phrase. Just full of piss and vinegar. So she was, you know, she was a fiery she woman. She was spicy. She was spicy. And when she was 18 years old, she married a man named Welcome Botkin. Yes, his name was Welcome. And I love that his name was Welcome. It cracks me up. That so is she- really silly. I don't... I'm, yeah. So she married a man named Welcome Botkin and she became Cordelia Botkin, which we will be referring to her as henceforth. And they uh this was like the Victorian era and they got married, but they realized that they had very different lifestyles because mm. Cordelia liked to par Tay. Yes, she liked ma'am. to drink. She liked to gamble. She liked to have sex. She liked to talk about sex, which you did not do back Scandalous. then. Scandalous. Okay, so she was saucy. And the two of them were like, look, oh, we're going to work out. Um, but they didn't really divorce at that time because that was just not a That's thing also that people taboo. did. Right. It was very taboo. So they just kind of agreed to disagree <laughs> and kind of like live separate lives, even though they were still married. So she ends up living in San Francisco because even at that time, San Francisco was where the fucking party was at. Mm -hmm. Okay. So San Francisco, as long as I've known, has always been known as like the city where like, you know, people like just go and have a good time. Yeah. It's also very gay. Yeah. Um, But people (laughs) both literally like gay, like homosexual and gay, like it's a happy place. Um, but just people love to party in San Fran, and they hate it when you call it San Fran. But that's where she was, like, but fucking you did it. living it up. And one day she was hanging out at the Golden Gate Park, just doing her thing, being a sassy bitch. And there was a man that she met there, uh, and his name was uh, John Dunning. So he was riding Bicicleta, and... <laughs> For a second, I was like, what? (laughs) Spanish bicycle. (laughs) Why? We're in San Francisco. Uh, John Preston Dunning. He was, uh, at the time, 32, and she was 41. Yes, ma'am. I love my age gap. He was riding his bicycle, and his bicycle broke down. And he, like, stopped to fix his bike, and she's, like, chilling on a park bench. And he is like, who is that vision of a saucy fucking lady over there. Uh, John, by the way, was also a very highly regarded reporter for the Associated Press, which is still around. The Associated Press has been around forever. 
And he had completed overseas assignments in Samoa and Chile. And this was, like I said, this was like the 1890s. So, Mm -hmm. like, him having been overseas, that was like a big fucking Ooh la la. And he's only 30. And he's single. Talk about an eligible bachelor. He was not single. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there it is. Well, good luck because Cordelia isn't either, technically. There you go. So um, so he was married. His wife, Mary Elizabeth, because they also had a daughter whose name was Mary. So the wife's name was Mary Elizabeth. Got it. And Mary Elizabeth was like, I am not adjusting to this San Fran life. I'm not into this Frisco style. And I'm ready to get the fuck out. We went to Del Frisco's. I got food poisoning. I want out. And she's like, I got to tell you, I don't understand the hype about the rice And, like, I'm ready to go. So they were still married again. But she was like, ugh. Like, I hate this town. And um, there were rumors that John was having indiscretions. And she was like, me and little baby Mary are going to go back to Dover, Delaware and go stay at my dad's fucking house because I am over this situation. This and you and everything. Right. So he's got all that going on. And he sees fucking Cordelia on the bench. And he's like, this saucy bitch, she looks like she's full of piss and vinegar. And she looks like and she those are my favorite how flavors. to party. Those are my favorite flavors. I love piss in my mouth and vinegar in my, my mouth. My favorite chips. Piss and vinegar. Piss and vinegar. Chips. Um, they're really hard to find. They are. But if you can get the kettle cooked piss and vinegar chips, <laughs> life changing. So, um, Mary Elizabeth goes home to her daddy, Congressman John B. Pennington, and Pennington was a congressman, so mm-hmm. he was kind of a big deal. Okay, so she goes home. She stays with him. John is partying it the fuck up in San Fran. With He's like, boys Cordelia. night. Boys night. And exactly that, because this was, you know, a different time with how we talked about gender and the like. But he was like, she's one of the dudes and I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Right. That was their whole thing was he is. She was always like one of the boys. Like yeah. she liked to drink. She liked to gamble. She's not like other girls. She's not like other girls. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, One of her biggest things that she liked to brag about was that she had been photographed, which photographing already was a huge deal, right? She had been photographed in over a hundred poses. Kind of a big deal. Wow. Um, Her favorite poses were... um, The spread eagle. These were considered scandalous, right? The spread eagle, she was clothed. But um, with her hands behind her head and, like, her elbows up. Uh, Put them titties out. Because it draws a lot of attention to the face and the breasts. So that was, like, her favorite way to pose. Uh, so she's, she's like, y'all, y'all, check out this new thing that I figured out. <laughs> she's like, check this out. how sexy this is. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, sh- that was, like, her thing, right? So she was, like, doing it. So they're drinking. They're partying it up. They're living the lifestyle. She was estranged from her own husband, uh, who at this time he was making his own good money as a uh, grain broker, which you made a lot of money. All right, selling grain at the time. <laughs> sure, people got to eat, uh, but he was still supporting her uh, with regular money because they were married. What a gentleman! Yeah, <laughs> he was still like keeping her afloat. Dunning, on the other hand, so the man that she was having an affair with. He was he left in, his wife high high and dry. Ooh, girl, no. He was having a whole other mess going on. So he was 
big drinker, right? That was what they loved to do. They loved to drink and party. That was their thing. So uh, his drinking and his gambling became such a problem that it was ultimately discovered that he he had embezzled a total of $4,000 from his job for his gambling debts. Oh, my gosh. Comparable today to over $100,000. Oh, my God. From, from his, his job. job. From his job. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, he got fired, as you can yeah. imagine. Um, and there was a big, big scandal about it. And he was let go from uh, – he was working for, you know – this paper he was working for the associated press in san francisco but he was also doing work for newspapers in salt lake city and he lost all of his wow reporting jobs uh so at this time he moved into cordelia botkin's hotel and he was like i'm gonna figure out what i'm doing with my life i don't know the two of them were ultimately together for three years and then Dunning was rehired in March of 1898 as the agency's lead reporter because it was the start of the Spanish-American War, mm-hmm. and they really needed reporters to write about what was going on, and he had this experience over in Chile. Yeah. Right. So they needed somebody. He was the only person that, like, John, you're the only man with the experience like, and the know-how. We're bringing you back, but you have no access to the like corporate credit card. It was like a 90s action movie where they're like, we fired this person because he was a loose cannon, but now he's the only one that could track Need this murderer. Right? So, like, you're the only person that could, that could cover what's happening in Cuba right now. So, like, we need you to, to come back to the Associated Press. So once that happened and he he was like, okay, and he went to Botkin, he went to Cordelia. He was like, here's what's happening. I've been rehired by the Associated Press. I'm going to go to Cuba, but I'm not coming back because when I'm done, I'm going to go back to Delaware and get back with my wife. (laughs) Whoa, that's a surprise. After three years. Yes. Wow. Yes. He reconciled with his wife before leaving for Cuba, where he helped save survivors of the Spanish battleships that were sunk at the Battle of Santiago de Cuba on July 2nd of 19, uh, of 1898. So he was really like, look, I hit a low, but I got to turn my life around. He's like, right. I, this has been fun at rock bottom with you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, It's time for me to climb back up. Remember, I lost my wife. I lost my job. And like, we've just been drinking and pissing and fingering and vinegaring and pissing fingering. and fingering. <laughs> Hopefully all, not at the same time. Anyway. Well, I got a second chance at getting my shit back together and I'm going to fucking take it. I don't know. What you would guess Cordelia would do, yeah, <laughs> with this information, I would from all the information piss that I've given you about Cordelia. I mean, I'm gonna assume she's gonna kill him and then kill herself. So what she's, you are wrong. <laughs> you would be incorrect with that assumption. All right. So Cordelia began to send anonymous letters to Mary Elizabeth. Stop. She goes full crazy. Detailing the husband, detailing her affair with her husband. <gasps> right. She's like, he's really good in the 69 position. Do you guys do this? You guys, you ever try that? He told me you don't like butt stuff because guess what? I'm a freak. I like butt stuff. Did you know he likes piss and vinegar in his mouth? Would you put piss and vinegar in his mouth? Are you going to do that, m'lady? You know what's great for his birthday? Make him chips out of it. But I guess you don't know that. So um, He never loved you. 
Yeah. Right. Kill yourself. <laughs> right. This is all stuff that she that was sending it. in these letters. Right? All right. She went full on. So that happened for a while. So then, uh, this is where it gets dark. On August 9th, 1898, Elizabeth opened a box of candies addressed to her and her sister in Dover, Delaware. Oh, no. It was marked only with the words, with love to yourself and baby. Um, Mary Elizabeth loved candy. She was like, fuck, I love free candy? Yes, super into it. Who doesn't love free candy? And they got it on the porch, right? The mail came in. They're all hanging out on the porch. And she's like, ah, candy, candy, everybody, candy. She eats some candy. She oh, gives her no. sister some candy. She shares candy with everybody on the porch. Okay? Everybody dies. After... Two days in agony, Mary Elizabeth and her older sister, 44-year-old Ida Harriet Dean, died from arsenic poisoning. What a bitch. Four others who had sampled the chocolates survived. They were just, they were made very ill. They didn't die. Mary Elizabeth's father remarked upon the familiar handwriting on the note and saw that it matched the taunting letters he had kept in a drawer. Police traced the candy to a shop in San Francisco. And from there... Cordelia, you don't fucked up, girl. To Cordelia Botkin. She went crazy. Who poisoned the chocolates and then sent them and was like, piss and vinegar this, bitch. Wow. What did, um... What's his face do? Cry? Um, well... (laughs) Let me finish with her. Okay. But, I mean, yeah. Botkin was tried before Judge Carol Cook... District Attorney Louis Francis Bingington prosecuted Cordelia Botkin in the murder trial on April 30th, 1904. It was one, so this was a landmark case because this was the first American prosecution for a crime which took place in two different jurisdictions. Yeah. Because she had sent the poison from California, but it was received and the people ate it and died in Delaware. Uh, and that was a first in yeah. American history. <laughs> Way to go, Cordelia, I guess. She was convicted of the murder in December of 1898. She appealed and was convicted again at a retrial in 1904. She was sentenced to life imprisonment. She was initially imprisoned in San Francisco, but after the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, she was transferred to San Quentin State Prison, where she died in 1910. John Dunning, his career destroyed by the revelations during her trial, died two years later in Philadelphia. Wow. So. She just orphaned Mary. Baby Mary. Well, baby Mary, who I assume stayed with her congressman grandparents. Oh, yeah, I would assume. That's all fine. But that's my story. Cordelia, you kind of suck, girl. Right? Like, she was saucy, but she was, like, she was a little too much. She was too rude about it. She was too much. Well, I guess that also kind of pulls us into my story, because I got another girl who's too much. I'm fucking ready for it. I got another girl who is too fucking much. Entirely too much. Tell me about her. Well, this is the story of the murder of Travis Alexander. Okay. Does that ring any bells to you? It rings a bell, but I don't know what what bell it rings. What about the name... Jody Arias. Yes, there it is. We're going to talk about Jody. Fuck it. It's Arias or Arias. I don't know. I'm going to say Arias because that's in my head. It took me a second because I say Arias. In you my say head. Arias. <laughs> <laughs> but I've thought about covering her as well. Jody, Jody, Jody. 
I Jody, 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 Jody. I've been working. This is the one that like a few weeks ago I said I thought I was ready. And then I was like, no, I want to get a few more details first. Do it. So here we go. We're going to start with Travis. Um, and I want to preface this by saying throughout this whole story, you don't like anyone. Okay. Everyone sucks. I do remember that about this. Story. Yep. So Travis Victor Alexander. Travis was born July 28th. 1977 in Riverside, California. Um, his home life growing up was not great at all. His parents were both addicted to drugs. He was one of eight children. Parents didn't take care of the kids, let the house go to waste. Travis grew up and ended up having a major bug phobia because as a child, he would wake up in the middle of the night with cockroaches crawling all over him, bugs all over him. When he was 11... Travis was like, fuck this, I'm going to grandma's. And he moved in with his grandmother. And after his dad died, the rest of his siblings, all seven of them, went to live with the grandparents as well. Okay. Travis's grandma was like his saint, his saving grace. She took care of him, providing him with a clean house, clean clothes, gave him structure, because grandma was also a Mormon. Of course. So we got in the story... The triad. We've got Mormons, we've got an MLM, and we've got murder. Yep. So, of course, Travis becomes a Mormon, and Travis is into it. He's into all of the Mormonism. Because Mormons saved his life. It's the stability, it's the love, it's the support, it's the comfort, it's everything that his parents did not give him. Yeah. He was the perfect Mormon boy. He went on his mission, he went to church, except. Like most young men, he loved the ladies. He loved that pussy. He was like, Lord, forgive me. But the Mormon church is very strict about sexual relationships, which is don't have them. Even if you're married, like if you can help it, unless it's to make a child, don't have it. Don't have too much fun. But ultimately, Travis's hunger for that poon will be his downfall. (laughs) (laughs) That's because he develops an insatiable hunger for one specific little cootie in particular. Cootie! (laughs) Get out. A little cootie in particular. And you know what they say. Don't put your dick in crazy. They do say that. Well, Travis did. He did. Takes us to Jody Arias. Born July 9th, 1980. To a completely different situation than Travis. Stable household. One other sibling. Mom and dad. She was just a petulant teenager growing up. And she, let me get back to my notes as I'm getting off my notes. Her relationships with her parents was tumultuous. She ended up getting caught growing weed on the roof of her parents' house and was kicked out. Then she never finished high school because she ended up moving in with this boyfriend she got at the time who was working at the gas station, but he was a self-proclaimed vampire. So she really knows how to pick them. Mm -hmm. And she ends up never finishing high school. She moves out of her parents' house. She moves in with him, and then she just starts working. And she works as a waitress throughout all of this. Um, Which, her getting with this guy, uprooting her life to be with him, leads us to one of Jody's number one toxic traits. And that's that Jody will change herself to be whatever it is that she thinks the other, the person, other person wants. wants. Yeah. So she never really, she doesn't do her own thing. She attaches to these people 
and then becomes what she thinks they want so that she can keep them. So vampire guy, he didn't want to work. She was working all the time. She ultimately meets a guy while she's, I think she's waitressing at a Denny's or something. And she meets a recently divorced man, much older man, who she then starts dating him. But he's still so infatuated with his wife. He talks about his wife all the time. His wife was- Yeah, huge turnoff, buddy. Blonde with big boobs. Jody was a brunette. Jody bleached her hair and Jody got a boob job. Yeah, she did. To be like her, to be like that guy. Now, Travis worked for a company called Prepaid Legal, which if you don't know what that is, that's a multi-level marketing company where you're basically prepaying to always have legal representation. And then it's a, sure. you you bring in five people and then those people bring in five people and those people bring in five people. And if you keep bringing like, you're going to sub whatever. But Travis made it work for him. He like had the pink car selling Mary Kay. Like he, he was, was in it. In it. And he was doing really well. Jody had just recently dipped her toe into the prepaid legal juice. And she had just done her first, I think to like enter into it, it's $250. She had just done her first one. And then she was going to a conference. And she went to a prepaid legal conference in 2006 where she met Travis Alexander. Mm -hmm. Travis is like blonde hair, big tits. She's hot. Love it. And she had a very manipulative personality, which that comes in later at the trial. But he was, like, into it, and she's into doing, like, sexy stuff? All right. This leads to their two-year on-again, off-again relationship. Mm -hmm. The relationship was anything but healthy. Travis was treating it as a friends-with-benefits situation. Of course, they were not having, like, vaginal intercourse but they were doing everything else because vaginal intercourse is what is not allowed by the mormon church but like really everything but everything is sex that's something i i learned in a human sexuality class in college that blew my mind the things that heavily religious people will be like oh but this doesn't count yes and i'm that like wasn't, what? that wasn't that is this whole thing with yes. travis and even travis's relationship with jody you can Looking at the timeline, you can see him struggling himself between giving into his physical desires and still he wants that he wants happy, that stable Mormon. Mormon life. He wants to marry a virgin Mormon woman. He doesn't want to marry Jody. Jody is not his long-term goal, end goal. But he's he's so horny and he's got to get like, it out I of his system. Can't not. Exactly. And she's here. But Jody was like head over heels. Into him. Yeah. There's one example. Travis had a Christmas party at his house in 2006, like early on into them meeting and talking. And she went around the whole party introducing herself as Travis's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and then she fell asleep under the Christmas tree instead of going home for the night. But this was a Mormon party, so there's no drinking. So why the fuck would you fall asleep under the Christmas tree? Because you're weird and desperate. Because you bad. think what you're just like a fucking present. The other interesting thing about this case, and it comes out with the trial, and is that there's so all of this is about sex, and even in the trial, they play a like a phone sex session that Jody had recorded of the two of them. But everything is honestly the foundation in sex, and Travis and Jody had a lot of kinky, raunchy, everything but vaginal sex. 
Jodi also converted to Mormonism, changing herself to be what she thinks Travis wants. Travis wants this good Mormon girl. Well, then I'm going to, I think I heard that it was like almost a dare where he gave her the Mormon Bible and was like, I bet you won't read the whole thing. And Jody was like, I'll memorize the whole thing. Bet. Bet. And she did. And so she dove headfirst into Mormonism. You want me to be Mormon? Oh, I'll be Mormon AF for you. I can do that. I'll be more Mormon than you can handle. Call me Mormon. That's my name now. (laughs) Is that what you want, Travis? And so there, but she dove into it, but it's so apparent. And when you hear interviews from Travis's friends talking about interacting with Jody, it's still so apparent that it's a facade that she's putting. Like, this isn't her. This is something she's putting on. She's changing. They're like, she would recite the Mormon passages, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it was there. It was like she was just... It was just like she memorized the words. Exactly. So she converted even to the point where she was baptized into the Mormon faith. And she was baptized by Travis. And Travis baptized her. And that same day that she was baptized as a Mormon was the day that they had vaginal intercourse for the first time. Mm -hmm. Here's where I'm just like, it's... Travis is throwing all of these mixed signals to Jody. We're not boyfriend, girlfriend. We're not boyfriend, girlfriend, but I'm going to baptize you and have this big thing of like, now we're going to have vaginal sex. Like that's emotionally yes. a lot for a woman. And then she's crazy on the, she's not mentally stable on top of it. Yeah. So they cross that line and now they're past that line. But like most post-nut clarity situations, Travis was like, wait, post-nut clarity <laughs> situations. Wow. You know. You know. Everyone knows. You're it like, happens. Oh, oh, oh. I made a horrible I made a mistake. <laughs> why did I do this? It's the worst decision I've ever made. I don't know why. You just look down at yourself. You're like, what? I'm filth. He didn't want Jody. Jody was not what he wanted for the long term. He wanted a pure Mormon woman to be his wife, and Jody was just a little fun fuck thing to keep him satiated until he found the right girl. Except Travis would go back and forth about his seriousness with Jody. Yeah. He would take her on trips. They would they even did this whole trip that was like a bucket list trip where they hit the Grand Canyon. All of these major spots. I hate both of these people. I told you. I I told you. You did. I know. And I know. And I know from what I've read about them too, which isn't much because I didn't do the, I just read a little bit and I was like, I hate everybody in this story. Yeah. He's not innocent. He kept her at arm's length because he liked that cooter and he didn't want to settle down to her because he didn't want that cooter long term. He just needed it. He used her. He used her. Yes. And then they, they would split. And one of them would contact the other, and it would go back, and then they'd split, and then one of them would contact the other. And they would each somewhat see other people in the interim, too. Anyways. But then he'd be like, I need that hot coos. Yeah. And if anything, Jody knew that it was her sexuality that was keeping Travis on the hook. Yeah. She knew that that's what it was. She, here's where I'm like, she's crazy. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have put your dick in crazy. She would show up to his house unannounced. Now, she lived in California, and he lived in Arizona. 
So she would go drive to Arizona. She even at one point moved out to Arizona to be closer to him, but she couldn't afford it and had to move back in with her grandparents in California. So she would unannounced, surprise, show up to his house. She would hack his social media accounts. And then there would be times where she would go into his house when he wasn't home or she would show up unannounced. And how would she get in? She'd crawl in through the doggy door. God. She would crawl in through the doggy door. And she'd be like, hey, you weren't answering my calls. Hey, Hi, honey. I just missed you so much. Oh, God. So, page two. She'd sneak in after in the fucking doggy door, which her shoulders and hips must be narrow as hell. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he just had a pug. Like, like he didn't have a he big had a dog. Saint Bernard, right? No, he had a pug. And here's Jody just like buttering herself up. <laughs> <to> squeeze- <laughs> Travis, I love you. <laughs> Let me in. And he's like, I knew I should have locked that goddamn doggy door. Even after all of these major red flags, she would sneak into the house and then she'd flash her titties and Travis would be like, okay, Bring you. your titties here, crazy. <laughs> you know I love Bring them crazy titties. crazy titties. <laughs> She'd be like, okay. <laughs> That's what I imagine actually happened. Right? I would imagine she'd crawl through the door. He would be sitting in the kitchen like eating a bowl of cereal. Be like, what the fuck? And then she'd like, like take eh. her top off and he's like, <laughs> I, it's like a Mentos commercial. Yeah. I imagine it's like that, right? Where like he gives her the look of like what, and she's like titties, and he's like, oh, oh, "Got okay. it." I hope that that's exactly what happened. Nothing gets to you, staying fresh and cool. and that's just her like pulling her shirt up <laughs> with titties fresh titties. and full of life. Titties fresh and full of crazy, crazy. Really okay. Throughout all of this time, there'd be periods where Travis would block Jody. He would date other people. They'd ultimately find their way back to each other. But they were both really toxic. They were both course, really yes. toxic together. Both of them. And Travis's friends were like, "Come on, Jody, still a Jody, you're bringing Jody." So toxic for each other. But ultimately, it ended up that one of them was more toxic than the other. Oh, the taste of your lips. On Early 2008, now I'm going to get into sort of a timeline of what happened. Early 2008, Travis is planning to attend another prepaid legal conference in Cancun scheduled for June 15th. And at this time in the beginning of the year, Jody was going with him. Then in April, Travis changed his plus one from Jody to a different woman. Mm. A lady he had begun seeing casually, a good Mormon girl. And she was like, What I also remember hearing in podcasts that I listened to about this was she was very meh about Travis, but Travis was into her. And Travis was like, she's Mormon. She's nice. They would like make out. She'll make out. That's good. Um, But she was kind of just like, he's fine. He's cool. So he changed his uh, plus one. Took Jody off. June 4th rolls around. And Travis is absent from an important conference call he was supposed to be on. He also had not been responding to his plus one about their Cancun plans. By June 9th, after not being able to reach Travis, the plus one, because they were supposed to be going to Cancun at like the middle of June. So when she's not able to reach him, she and some other friends go to his house. And they knock on the door and the roommate, Travis had roommates, They knock at the door, roommate answers, and they're like, hey, is Travis here? And the roommate's like, I haven't seen him. I thought he was in Mexico. 
And the other girl's like, no, because I would have been with him. And the roommate's like, oh, well, I don't know. And they're like, have you checked his room? Have you looked for him? The roommate's like, no. So they're like, okay, we need to go look in his room. As they open the door to Travis's room, they were met with a bloodbath. Pools of blood were in the master bedroom leading, or master bedroom hallway leading to the master bathroom, where they ultimately found Travis slumped, incredibly dead, in the shower. I also want to point out, they found him on the 9th. He was murdered on the evening, morning of the 4th to the 5th. So he sat in his shower for like four days and his roommates were just living their life around the body in the house. Paid no attention, didn't think anything of it. Oh my God. Shitty roommates. Travis had received 27 to 29 stab wounds, a gunshot wound to the head, and his throat had been slit so deeply that he was almost decapitated. So let's back up a little bit. Here's what happened. On May 28th, a burglary occurred at Jody's grandparents' house where she had been living. Several objects were taken, but most notably was a 25 caliber handgun that was never recovered. Between May 28th and June 2nd, Jody borrowed three gas cans from a friend and bought one more, saying it's because she was going to be making a drive to Utah for a prepaid legal conference, and she said that she's someone that just doesn't want to have to stop for gas, so she's bringing gas cans with her. Yeah, it's not weird. Not weird at all. June 2nd, Jody rented a car in California, saying she'd only be driving the car locally and would return it back to that location in California. Then she hit the road for a paid le- prepaid legal conference in Utah. June 4th, Travis missed that conference call. It's because... He was with Jody having some kinky sex. Of course he was. So on her way to Utah, Jody made a pit stop in Arizona to see Travis. They spent hours having sex. Which, if you don't know, because you're not from America or because you're just bad at geography, it's not on the way. It's not. It's not no. on the way. It's not like she stopped in Arizona on the way to Utah. No, it is you the have opposite to go, direction. You have to go further to the going. side and then go back up again. They spent hours having sex, taking sexy pictures with Travis's new digital camera, including, and you'll look it up, one big thing about this case that you'll see if you Google is his famous, like, last picture, which they say is probably she caught a picture of him right before she um, killed him. E, 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 like, started stabbing. Yeah. And you can look at this picture. It's him in the shower, and he's just looking dead at the camera, and his face has... The most interesting expression, if you have not looked at it and you're into this kind of a thing, I urge you to look at it because it's the question of, is he just looking at her? Is he taking in who she is? Does is he, he know what is, is he thing? having? Is that, she holding a weapon at this is point? Is she holding the knife at this point? Right. Is this, is he just, you know, coming to terms with his fate? Who knows? What we do know is she took that picture And she then attacked him with a knife, stabbing him and ultimately slitting his throat before shooting him in the head. And if that's not overkill, I don't know what is. She then dragged his body back to the shower, cleaned herself up, 
and threw the bloody towels and the camera into the downstairs washing machine. Big mistake. Huge. Huge. June 5th, Jody shows up to the PPL, or prepaid legal conference in Utah, where she meets up with this new guy she's been chatting with. So she's, Travis has been seeing his plus one, and she's been chatting with this guy, Ryan. Well, moving on or establishing an alibi, however you want to look at it. That's also fair. She's been chatting with Ryan, so she shows up to meet with Ryan. She had told Ryan she was going to meet him there. And apparently, while she was there, they partook in some steamy makeout sessions, but that was it and didn't go further. She's a good Mormon girl. But Ryan noticed that at Jody, whose hair had previously been blonde, was now brunette. And she had several cuts on her hands. And she was wearing long sleeves in Utah when it was quite warm outside. Yeah. But she was like, I just got these cuts on my hands when I was working. I work at a Margaritaville and I was like working a shift and it just got crazy and I had a glass break on me. And like, that's how I cut up all my hands because I was working at a Margaritaville. Like, it's crazy. (laughs) That's all it is. Spoiler alert. A Margaritaville restaurant does not exist anywhere near where Jody lives. Right. She's... What a random restaurant to choose. So pull, it's like, uh, I was working at a Bubba Gump shrimp company. Right. <laughs> and I cut my so hands. Like of all the restaurants you could lie about working at. You could have chosen a Chili's. I don't. Do you know what's hysterical is Chili's was my first thought. Should have been a Chili's. Was my first I was like, could have been a Chili's. They're fucking everywhere. Chili's Honestly. Everywhere. With Chili's. Jody wishes she could have worked at a Chili's. <laughs> June 6th. Hi, welcome to Chili's. Hi, welcome to Chili's. My name's Jody. I'll be your server today. June 6th, Jody leaves the conference to head back to California. On her way back, she calls Travis several times, leaving him voicemails like, hey, I'm just checking in. I haven't heard from you. I certainly don't have any reason to think that you're dead. You're dead. I hope that you're okay. I hope to hear from you. Just checking in. (laughs) Are you dead? No, that's silly. That's a joke. Who would do Why would you be dead? I don't know. I wouldn't have any reason to suspect that you would be. June 7th, Jody returns back to California and returns the rental car that she was only going to be driving locally with an extra 2,800 miles added to it. The rental clerk at the trial testified that the car was missing its floor mats and had red stains on the front and rear seats when she dropped it off. However, the car was cleaned before the police could examine it, so this was never verified. June 9th, Travis's body is found, and Travis's friends immediately say, yo, look at Jody. Jody did it. Jody did it. You need to, they're like, Travis is dead, Jody did it. Like, before they even start crying. 5,000%. Jody. While searching Travis's home, police find the digital camera and the bloody towels in the washing machine. And they were able to recover the deleted images off of the camera because they're the fucking police. These images showed Travis and Jody having sexy time and also shows Jody murdering Travis. So after she takes that final clear picture of Travis, there's another four or five pictures that just sort of show different, like blurry struggles, but there's clearly one image that shows a bloodied male back on the ground, which is Travis. Yeah. So like, all right, cool. There's also a full bloody handprint on the wall of the bathroom, like a full handprint, not like a, like handprint. It contained DNA from both Travis and And Jody. Jody. July 9th, so a month later, Jody was indicted by a grand jury on first-degree murder charge and arrested at her grandparents' home. 
uh, on July 15th. She was extradited to Arizona on September 5th, where she pled not guilty on September 11th. But this girl was a fucking weirdo in her police interviews. If you can Google and watch videos, I've seen people post them on TikTok talking about like how people react in an interrogation room. They include her singing to herself, singing Christmas songs to herself. She does a handstand on the wall at one point. And when the police inform her that she's going to prison, she asks if she can have a mirror to like touch up her makeup and make sure she looks okay before she leaves. Cause like she knows there's going to be cameras. Jody gave three different accounts of what happened. Number one, I wasn't there. You can't prove it. Number two, oh, so you can prove it? Okay, so listen, I was there, but what happened was these intruders came in and they murdered Travis in front of me. And they told me that if I said anything, they would hunt me down and find me and do the same thing to me. So that's why I didn't say anything to you guys. I was scared for my life and I had to watch him get murdered right in front of me. Number three, okay, well, maybe I did kill him, but it was totally in self-defense. He had it coming because he was physically abusive to me. He got mad when I dropped his new digital camera and he body slammed me onto the floor. I was just acting in self-defense. January of 2000. You murdered him in the shower. You murdered him. You, and you s- took pictures. He's clearly like, oh, I'm in the shower and you're taking my pictures. What's with that knife? What's with that- right. Like- <laughs> Are you really? She stabbed him 27 to 29 times. She slit his throat. So deep. He was almost decapitated. That he was almost decapitated. And then she shot him in the head. And here's the other thing about this. Travis Alexander was not a little dude. Jody Arias is a little woman. She's not a big woman. She had to have ambushed him. Yes. To have gotten the upper hand. And had to just gone total psycho. Stab, 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 stab. I'm imagining like spider monkey, like latched onto his back and just like stab, 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 stab. Like she lost it this is a fit of rage yeah and i know i've talked about this on the podcast before but one of the most intimate ways to kill someone is to stab them yes anytime someone is a victim of a stab wound it's done by someone who knows them and is close to them it's never a stranger it's always a more intimate type of a and i think i've mentioned this before when you (laughs) have said this that in the movie that I love, The Professional, which is about a hitman, and he's teaching young Natalie Portman how to be a hitman, he explains that the first weapon you learn is the sniper rifle because it's the furthest away from what he calls the client, which is the yep. person that you're killing. But that the very last weapon that you learn is the knife because you have of to be how so close, close you have to get. Yes. Yep. So 2013, the trial began for Jody. It was incredibly publicized, gained mass media attention, mainly because Jody was a pretty young white woman mm-hmm. who was going on TV interviews. She gave a TV interview saying that they will never find me guilty because I am innocent. It was a story filled with sex and scandal, a he said, she said situation. He said, she said, he did. <sighs> there it is, done. It was also happening around the same time as the Casey Anthony trial. Yes. So you I had used to confuse two, the two, right? And then I was like, what who did what? Two murdering white women. In <sighs> this these two trials happening at the same time and being so sensational, I feel like we're part of the pivotal turning point of America 
finding its true crime fetish again of us being really fascinated in these things and being fascinated in them real time. Like I am with the Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell case. Like I'm watching this real time. I'm fascinated with what's going on. There was a period there. I feel like kind of between OJ and Casey Anthony, where we didn't really, it wasn't as much mass media attention Yeah, on, on these trials. So then Jody comes in and she's like, well, I've got a phone sex session. Let's play it in court. They showed the like they showed all the pictures that were taken on the camera from their sexy time. So like the jury saw Jody Arias's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone saw her vagina. Everyone like, saw her butthole. They all looked at it and they were like, that that's is a murderer. Literally the craziest butthole I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. You can see the crazy. Right in her butthole. She had tattooed on her butthole, I didn't do it. <laughs> no, she had tattooed on her butthole. If. If I did it. I did. But the if was like really, really small. <laughs> you would get that if you've been listening to this show from the beginning. <laughs> okay. The biggest crazy part about Jody's trial was not her butthole on display. It was that. It wasn't? <laughs> no. It's that she took the stand in her own defense and she testified for 18 days. Stop. 18 days. I like I thought you were going to say 18 hours, which is already like preposterous. Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> she started out strong in the first few days. She was ready for the defense. She was or she was ready for the prosecution. She was a little on the defense, being a little snarky. But as the days went on, she began to crumble. And no. she began to trip up over her many lies. And the prosecution went hard on her. Yeah. The sheer length of time that Jody spent on the stand was described by a criminal defense attorney named Mark Garagos in a report as unprecedented. Never happened before. On the first day of her 18-day testimony, she told of being violently abused by her parents, beginning when she was approximately seven years old. Her parents deny this. Right. Her parents are like, no, we didn't. Like, that never happened. We spanked her. That never happened. We kicked her out because she grew pot on our roof. She's like, no, they abuse me. On her second day on the stand, Jody said that her and Travis's sex life was oral and anal sex. And she said she didn't like the anal sex, but they did it together. Um, and that she did it for Travis. Um, and that Alexander or Travis didn't believe these to be actual forms of sexual activity and that it's not going to count in the Mormon church. She said that eventually they did have vaginal sex, but less often. And then they played the phone sex tape. And the weird thing, I mean, the whole like phone sex tape is awkward. Um, but she, to say the least, she tried to play up this narrative that Travis was into children. And she was like, Travis always called me like a little girl. He always wanted me to act like a child and like I was innocent. He, he was a pedophile, like just totally spinning these, like, of course, anything no, he's to got, justify. He, yeah. I was like, he's got a, what is it called? Like, daddy, daughter, like little girl, yeah, like, like fetish, like DDL, like a DDLG kink. Yeah, I was like, but it's not, he's not a pedophile. But she's like, he is. Listen to this sex tape where he says that he wants to zip tie me to a tree while I'm dressed as Little Red Riding Hood and talk about how innocent and dirty I am. 
She said that she he secretly found young boys and girls sexually attractive, and she tried to break him of these urges. Girl, stop. She's trying everything in the book. She also testified that their relationship became more physically and emotionally abusive, some of which at Travis's family is in the audience. And during Jody's testimony, Travis's like sister and mother would just be like, girl, come on. Like me to Noel when she asked to direct that show. I was, <laughs> they're just like this, like shaking their head now no, and rolling uh... their eyes. She said that, um, Jody said that Travis would shake her while saying, I'm fucking sick of you. And then that night when this happened, that he was shaking her, screaming that. And then he body slammed me on the floor at the foot of his bed and taunted her saying, don't act like that hurts before he called her a bitch and kicked her in the ribs. And Jody's like, afterward, he went to kick me again and I put my hand out and that's why my finger's all crooked. And she's like, has a like slightly crooked ring finger where she's like, see, it's because he kicked me. That's why my finger looks like this. Do you see this? That's why it looks like this, because he kicked me. He was physically this is all abusive. My day 16. Something like that. According to Jody, the dysfunction of their relationship reached its climax when she killed Travis in self-defense after he became enraged. This is the third different account of how she of what happened with Travis's death. And both prosecutors and observers felt severely damaged at her credibility as a witness. They were like, you're testifying for yourself, but you've also changed your story three times. Why should we believe you, Jody? Her 18-day testimony also added to a very long defense portion of the guilt phase, guilt phase of the trial, which led to problems with retention of jury members. So her testimony went on for so long that they ended up losing jury members, one of which was for misconduct. Another juror was excused for health reasons, and a third juror was dismissed after being arrested for a DUI. So, like, she's testifying for so long that her jurors are dropping like flies. On May 8th, after 15 hours of deliberation, Jody was found guilty of first-degree murder. Out of 12 jurors, five jurors found her guilty of first-degree premeditated murder, and seven jurors found her guilty of both first degree premeditated and felony murder. As the guilty verdict was read, Jody is like struggling to hold back tears as Travis's family is like smiling and hugging each other and like fist pumping in the air. (laughs) I don't think that happened. They're like high fiving. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Several people who had gathered outside the courtroom began celebrating and cheering. So like this was such a big deal that when she it was like Derek Chauvin, when she got found guilty, everyone was like, yes, Hell, thank fuck. Awesome. Yeah. They were happy about it. The jury also determined in that moment that Jody was eligible for the death penalty. On May 23rd, the sentencing phase resulted in a hung jury promoting the judge to declare a mistrial. CNN later reported that the hung jury had voted eight to four in favor of death. But for something like that, it has to be a full vote. Unanimous. This all continued to go back and forth, back and forth with her sentencing retrial until ultimately on April 13th, 2015, Jody Arias was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. As of today, Jody is still in prison in Arizona. There was a recent documentary that was released on Discovery Plus in 2020 of the new Jody Arias story. Mm-hmm. And 
it takes the stance. It's the main person that they're interviewing is her defense attorney. Mm-hmm. And it paints the picture of Jody being a victim of Jody basically being a woman I who snapped stuck like rolled in the back of my head. I know. Basically saying that Jody was a woman who snapped because Travis so emotionally manipulated and abused her that just one day she couldn't and she snapped. She doesn't so she doesn't deserve to be in prison for life without the possibility of parole. She snapped. She would never do something like this again. Look at the way he talked to her like they bring up text messages where he is kind of like fuck you bitch. I'm rolling my eyes at that because I'm just like, they were both awful to each other. Yeah. I'm like, of all the of all the cases that we've talked about where I'm like, does this person really deserve that punishment, though? I'm like, no, she deserves life in prison without parole. And here's why. And here's <laughs> my, does. and I will urge any listeners who feel different, tell me what you think about the Jody case. Because I don't disagree that Travis treated her like shit. But she could have done, like so many other women, and lost his number and moved on. And found someone else, moved on with her life, done something. She didn't do that. She chose to premeditate and murder him because she planned this. The other thing that people want to say is it was a snap decision. That gun was there stolen was no from her snap. grandparents' house. How far out of the way she had to go. And she bought those gas cans so that she wouldn't be caught on CCTV stopping at a gas station. Between Arizona and... Between California and Arizona. Utah, yeah. She didn't want to be caught, so she brought the gas cans. She, she planned... She had the alibi with Ryan so that yeah. she's like, I couldn't have been at Travis's. I was at that prepaid legal conference, and the reason why... You know, it's because I was on the road. Of course I'm not with Travis. I wasn't there. You can't prove it. And they're like, we can prove it because we have the pictures. And then she's like, oh, you can prove it? So what happened was. Yeah. And you can watch all of the interrogation videos where that happens, where they catch her in the lie and where they catch her being like, but you said she slips up at one point and mentions being there. And they're like, mm, ah, ah, ah. You said you weren't there. It just makes me think of fucking, um. Dahlia and Mike DiPolito where she's yes. like Mike is alive can I talk to him and they're like no yes <laughs> no Jody like, we know you're lying what no no I never Mike come here that Dahlia DiPolito is Jody Arias light yeah because Jody went full if I can't have you no one can yeah and then she thought she was going to get away with it she did those interviews saying I will never be found guilty because I am innocent. And then when she found out she was up for the death penalty, she was like, or maybe they had mentioned being on the death penalty and she was like, I would just kill myself instead. And then they really put her up for the death penalty. And she was like, I just said that because I didn't think I would ever be found guilty. So I didn't even think I would ever be here today. She's crazy. Yeah. So she's still in jail. She's still alive. There is that fresh documentary out on Discovery Plus that does paint her in more of a positive light and as more of a victim. Travis is not a great guy, but he didn't deserve that. Yeah. And that is the story of Jody. Like I've Arias. never been with a Mormon, but obviously, right? Like as a person who's been with somebody who like used them and like got, yes. you know, like dicked around a lot. Yep. Like have you I got really them. mad? Sure. Did I like Cross state lines, put gas, in, like ga- gather gas, like go and fucking kill them. Stage run away. Like, a burglary at my girl. grandparents' house to get the gun. No. 
So, you know, I might be like, oh, do the Menendez brothers deserve life without parole? And like, oh, did, did Lisa Montgomery deserve, deserve to die. the death penalty? Like, I don't know. Did Jody Arias deserve to be in prison for life without parole? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. At totally. There is nothing I've heard from her story that's like, but I get why she would be like, there's nope. no, no. That's it. It's like, no, there's nothing traumatic that nothing happened in her life. Nothing made her that way. Nope. She felt entitled to this man. And when she couldn't have him, she was like, okay, fine. Then fuck you. You die. You die now. Then you die. And Bye. I'm going to get away with it because look at me. Because I got blonde hair and titties. Yep. Well, then she she dyed her hair brunette and after she, she killed her. him because I guess she thought that the other they weren't going to know her. Right. Yeah. Like they, they were gonna be they like, that's not Jody her with brown hair. That's not Jody. Jody oh, that's has not Jody. Hair. You got the wrong one. Wrong Jody. Well, that's it. That's my that's my big story. I've been working on for a while. I was like, is this gonna be a two parter? And I was like, no, I think I'll just make it a lot. I could have div- like dove way deeper into their relationship relationship, but you get it. But yeah, I was like, they both dicked each other around. They were both shitty, and they're both sucked. And now one of them is dead. But one of them was more sucky than, than the, the other, other one. Yeah, that's there it. There it is. Uh, well, I hope you like our podcast and maybe you learned something today or just commiserated with us and our feelings about these people. About these crazy women. If you want to support our show, you can totally do that with your money, money by going to our Patreon. We have $1, $5, $10, and $15 tiers. Super, super, super exciting. All with really, really great rewards. But there are totally free ways that you can support us as well, like by emailing us, talk about your pets, dead time stories Please. with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. And the other free, super awesome way that you can help us is, of course, by going in iTunes or whatever podcasting app you use and giving us a five-star review because that helps new people find us and puts us in the algorithm. So much. And it doesn't it doesn't cost you any money, but it's still super helpful. I don't know who Al is, but I want to be in the rhythm. But I'm gonna get in his rhythm, girl. Me and Al Gore are gonna get into a rhythm. In a rhythm and, and talk you about climate change. Ready about it, man bear pig, man bear man, man bear man, um, man bear man, <laughs> man bear man. But that's it, and that's all. That's us. I'm Stephanie, and I'm Sarah, and this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.